Hey guys, this is Crazy Juicy Love. If you're ready to change your life, your finances, and your love life, hiring a coach will dramatically give you results in any area that's important to you. This is season two of Crazy Juicy Love. Why hiring a coach will change your life. So hey guys, welcome to the Crazy Juicy Love Podcast, and I have a real special guest. I have Marissa Moore, which is a psychotherapist with uh, Therapy Brooklyn, and I'm so excited to have her. Me too. Uh, being on the show. Yeah, thank you for having me. <laughs> yes. So please, please, please tell me how you even got into your career and how did, you know, Therapy Brooklyn evolved and like what's your stance with Therapy Brooklyn in Brooklyn. So I remember yeah. the conversation, but I want people to know mm-hmm. like your passion behind that. Yeah, I would love to share. So um, maybe I can tell you a little bit about what Therapy Brooklyn is first. So mm-hmm. Therapy Brooklyn is comprised of myself and we have three clinicians on staff. And what we really do is we offer therapy, both individual, family, and couples therapy. We really try to meet the needs of people in the Brooklyn area. We're located in Greenpoint, but we serve like everybody. We have Mm -hmm. even people coming in from Manhattan, Long Island, Staten Island. And I Mm -hmm. think it's because um, we're really rooted in seeing people as whole people, Mm. seeing people as their strengths, right? Not really being so saturated in what the problem is, but just thinking about, well, how can we help you access that strength that you have within? And I think people are really drawn to that. Um, And so I I really love doing what I do because I think it's like I get to not only have this practice, but support up and coming clinicians and developing Mm. their voice as therapists. So that's a little bit about what therapy Brooklyn is and what we offer. And how did you even like, did you always know that you want to be a therapist? Like how that even yeah for you? You know, sometimes when I think about this, I'm like, oh, did it start in school or did it start even earlier? Because I was actually thinking about it this morning that I think it started when I was a kid. Like I was mm. a little bit shy, but I was shy in the way that I was like always watching and always listening. I was so mm. curious about the world around me. And I think like those are really the foundational pieces of being being a therapist mm-hmm. and being a coach, right? You really have to be listening and curious. And that was something like I developed over time because I was so shy. I really felt comfortable sitting back, but also taking in the world around me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so I think that was something that I just developed over time and learned to kind of hone that skill through going to school and learning about it. And then I think once I got to college and started taking psychology classes, I was like, oh, wow, this is this is the stuff right here. This is the stuff that I can use those skills and actually make it make it a profession. And so I think, but I think it just started with just my kind of natural way of, of being in the world when I was younger. Right. Well, and what is the difference you're hoping to to make with people with what you do and your work and your your company? Yeah. Well, I think um, that's like a big, big question. <laughs> but I think uh, you know, my favorite thing to do is couples therapy. And so when mm-hmm. I immediately when you said difference, I think the difference that I want to make with couples is really the like getting the power of being 
fully seen by your partner fully mm-hmm. like because when you're fully seen and supported by somebody it feels like you can do anything mm-hmm. right and so that's like what i want to be able to offer people the possibility of really seeing each other fully in their best selves with their best intentions so that they can really go out there and and conquer the world and so um that's like my ultimate my ultimate hope right, right? Yeah. that people can can in relationships see each other more clearly see each other for um the best of who they are and mm. really supporting supporting each other in meeting the goals that they want for themselves and and, and others Right, and I really, really love what you're saying. And I thought there, you know, about couples being really fully seen. Because yeah. um, in, in some of my recent interactions with, cu- not couples together, but, you know, both hands, like working with a man, working with a woman. Mm-hmm. And I often hear, as particularly men have a hard time hearing what the other their partner is saying you know and not really getting and they're asserting and like you know um i'm asking this question based off my barbara you know he he's in a relationship yeah one of the things his um his girlfriends keep saying him is saying why don't you ask don't assume like you already have this Mm-hmm. Um, assertion of what I'm going to say, and it's not really correct. So, yeah. you know, talk about like uh, help me or help men and uh, people and couples that, uh, in particular. Why is it so so hard? Or people that aren't aware of like they aren't really listening. There, there's a difference right. between listening and getting. Uh, yeah, a partner, and that is actually. <laughs> the biggest communication trap that couples fall into every everybody does it i'm guilty of it too actually right you're you're not you're not listening right or you're listening already from the place of anticipating what the other person is going to say right you're and and this can happen for couples that have been together for a while or even just a short time you're already peg the person as you are this so i'm going to listen to you as that thing that i think you are right and so if i experience my partner as not making enough time for me, right? Then I'm already listening to him from that ear, right? So if he says, oh, I have this thing to do after work, I'm like, oh, see, you're not making time for me, right? (laughs) What I don't hear him say is, oh, but I planned this getaway for us this weekend, right? Because I'm already listening from, he doesn't make time, right? (laughs) I think it's like we get stuck in that, men, women, um, because we already are anticipating what our partner is going to say and we're attached to the stories that we have of who they are, right? And that's where I think people get really tripped up and stuck. Right. Not listening. Yeah. And so how, when a couple comes in, how do you work with them and teach them to really hear what they're saying and not anticipate what they're saying? Yeah. So I think, um, I think first... I say awareness is key, right? Because awareness leads to a new possibility of a different action. And so first, I think I have to get couples to get aware and acknowledge probably 90% of the time you're not really listening. <laughs> right. But that's also human and that's okay, right? Because right. I'm all about not making people wrong, right? Like also because we're all human, you might make mistakes and that's okay. But it's like, how can you hold each other when you slip up in these ways, mm-hmm. right? How can you catch yourself to say, you know what? I really wasn't listening. I was listening with this ear to who you think, who I think you are, rather than this other ear of who I, who I, who you see yourself as, mm-hmm. and who, who like this larger story of you. And so, what I tell couples is, first of all, 
be aware of that and then take an important pause. Sometimes when you're like fighting to speak, mm-hmm. how can instead of um, speaking right away, taking a breath, like a moment, right. they like, like breath is really powerful. I invite right. everybody to do it. Yeah, um, I do too. Yeah. Yeah. And then here's another big thing is how can you, if you if you find yourself already uh, about to make a statement about that part or your partner, or you're gonna like fight to say something, how can you bring curiosity instead? Mm. How can you actually ask it as a question, right? So if I have an accusation and I say, you don't make time for me, right? That can just make the <laughs> argument go off, right? <laughs> yes, and right. so another way to listen is actually by inviting curiosity in that moment. Mm. Say, oh, I'm already, I'm already going to say something. I'm already going to say something. And inviting yourself to ask it as a question instead. Because mm. that ex- actually expands your listening and allows your partner to share more rather than getting them like stuck in one way. Mm. And I really love that what you, what you just said too, like take a breath before yeah. you react because that's something I was um, I was watching a um, uh, the Red Table by Judith Pickett Smith and they were talking about their relationship Great. yeah and one of the things he said now I don't know why when he said that what exactly what you're saying he said you know be, before she or both of them came at each other with something they mm-hmm. would take a moment before they react and then they had this thing where they would say it was a communication thing that they established between each other. And I was like, that is so good. Yeah. Uh, and I'm sure I'm wondering, I'm curious of, do you have couples do this? And they, they, they made a commitment that if they were not in a place to um, be calm and communicate, that they would say, I can't communicate to you right now. I'm really pissed. Mm-hmm. I'm going to walk away. I'm going to get myself together and then I'm going to come back to you and have this communication. Yes. Yes. That is actually really essential and it's okay, right? Sometimes couples think, okay, if something's getting activated now, we have to figure it out. We just have to stay in it. And that actually can not help the situation. (laughs) So I think, but I think what you said is important because you're also, you're not just um, leaving the room. You're not just saying, I need a break and then bolting. You're actually recognizing where you're at first, right? Like I'm getting activated. I don't know if this is going to go anywhere. I'm going to take a pause, but I'll be back, right? You're not just like mm-hmm. leaving and slamming the door because that's right. actually not taking a pause. That's like, that's kind of some, some that's sending a message to your partner. And also it can be a trigger, especially if someone has some abandonment issues. Exactly. They can like just yeah. escalate the whole Right, thing. because then they can follow you, they can bang on the door, <laughs> and then you're off, right? And so I think like taking a pause is important as long as you're, you make a commitment to come back together. And that can be later that evening, that can be tomorrow morning, but as long as there's a commitment of, I'm taking a pause, here's why, and I'll check back in with you then. And also here's an important question, how is that for you, right? Does that work for you? Because then you're also checking in. You're not just making this unilateral decision. I'm out. I can't. You're saying, right. this is what I need. What about you? Wow, that's really beautiful. And like, it's not, it's like a continuation, a continuance flow mm-hmm. of the conversation. And it's like, I'm making a commitment to come back to you. I'm not just leaving you high and dry. Exactly. Um, and that, and then that's like real, I don't say real, but I guess, I guess real communication, real partnership. You're really establishing this partnership and dynamic with each other of how you communicate. Mm-hmm. I really love that. Yeah. yeah, and that's like a that establishes trust too, mm-hmm. connection. Yeah. 
So how how does the past influence the way couples interact? Oh man, <laughs> <laughs> a lot. <laughs> oh, it sure does. Right, because a lot of couples don't realize that that's what's happening, right? And they bring in that on top of you know their mm-hmm. relationship. Yeah, yeah. And I I mean, and I always tell couples to visualize it. Like if you can picture yourself in a room with your partner, that room is so crowded, right? It's not just you two. It's your family. It's your friends. It's societal expectations. It's what you what happened for yesterday it's your work it's like it's everything right so it's like and I think that visualization can help because it's just like wow you're in this room together but there are so many factors that are then shaping how you're interacting how you're relating to one another and I think um the biggest thing to point to first is what are the models that you had growing up of relationships right Mm. this could be from the people that raised you this can be from early relationships early on it can be from all those things right because i think what you absorbed as a child can really inform who you pick as a partner Mm, right what you're used to so you know for me i grew up in in a home where my parents fought a lot like they communicated and they communicated loudly right and so for me i had this sense of like Ooh, relationships are tension. Like that's what relationships yeah. should look like. Oh, if it's if it's like calm, I'm like, what is this? Is this how we're supposed to, you know? And so that's like a big thing because you often gravitate towards the familiar, and mm-hmm. so um, and you can find yourself playing a role that you witnessed. And so that's why it's really important to understand that past because it doesn't mean that you're you know, condemned to it, but understanding it can then allow for other ways of being to say, this is what I was taught, but is that actually what I want to continue? Just because it's familiar doesn't mean it's good, (laughs) right? Right. Yeah. That's so interesting too, because I was in, I was recently in a relationship where everything was really going great, and he was he wasn't used to everything going great because I, you know, I grew up in a house where you know there wasn't really many arguments. People didn't really you know fully self express themselves. I would say mm-hmm. so that was one of my commitments to from this forward on. I was like, okay. I want to be fully self-expressed in my love and I want that partner to be the same with me. And yeah. he was not used to that. And and I could tell, and he would often say, why are you so good to me? Why, why is yeah. it so perfect? Why we don't fight? And when I really dug a little deeper, it was because of his past relationship that the guy mm-hmm. always like cause upsets, cause angers, cause all these things. Yeah. He was so used to that. So when he met somebody like me, he was like, This is this is this feels weird. Like, right. You should be fighting. Yeah. You know what I mean? And yeah. a lot of people don't realize that it can be another way. <laughs> you know what I mean? So right. how do you begin to shift? that within couples that it there can be another way how right. do you how do you move them from because that's an old pattern of beliefs and standards that they unconsciously agreed to right and now they're bringing it to that relationship how mm-hmm. how do you navigate that yeah so i mean i think a a, a big thing is it's just first Awareness, like I said this before, awareness, 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 right? Like recognizing that link because like you said, a lot of people are surprised by, oh, the past informs the present, right? They're like, oh, whatever that happened years ago, it doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. And then that's first being present to, it does matter, right? Right. Mm -hmm. Um, But it doesn't lock you into a a fixed way of being. And so what I I first um, ask couples to do is share and talk about their family history, right? Mm -hmm. Because in talking about it, 
they can get a better understanding of where each of them came from, right? So right. Like, like your partner, it seems like there was something like when when they shared more, you got a sense of, oh, this is, this is what it means for us, right? right? And so um, first, what I invite couples to do is to share a little bit more about their family history um, what are what are what are some of the ways they watch their parents or their caregivers interact? What are some of the ways that they bring into this relationship? And mm. also, this is this is what I'll ask them: What do they want to keep, and what do they want to let go of? Mm. And recognizing that we can't just put a "it was all bad" and we're leaving in the past, but actually, maybe there are some things that um, your parents or your early models for relationships did teach you that you want to keep right. and then others what you want to let go of and just right. even recognizing and doing that kind of almost like a ritual to say, well, this is what I want to take on and this is what I want to let go. And that's so good because in the calling in the one coaching, that's what we do too. So why is it yeah. important like saying that what, what do you want to keep and what do you want to let go of? Yeah, I mean, I think it's because... Well, the main reason why it's important is because it puts you back in the driver's seat and it shows you that you actually have the power, right? Power is essential because sometimes people feel like ruled by the past, like, okay, well, this happened and it's always going to be this way. And Mm -hmm. and then then so when you say you can keep and you can let go, I think it actually gives power back to say, oh, wait, you get to decide, right? Right. And so that's, that's, I think, an essential thing. And I think the... The piece about keeping is recognizing that there are there are always gifts, right? There are mm. always things or little nuggets or little things that you can still take from a situation. And I think being able to look for those is really important, right? right. To find the silver lining and to not then um, like villainize people or see things as, as all bad, right? Because if I were to say, well, my parents, you know, fought a lot and that's all terrible, then that doesn't allow me to see them as full people and to see also right. the possibilities <clears throat> of their of their relationship, right? right? So I have to also look for things that they taught me that I do bring to my relationship that that are actually really helpful. Right. That's oh, I love that. Um, yeah. So I'm curious about you know, particularly men. I know we talked um, about this podcast called um, "What Do We Begin," yeah. and and I was sharing with you how a lot of men struggle with articulating what's going on inside, which mm-hmm. I see that directly affects relationship because I hear the women like, "What's going on? Tell me what's going on. Share what's me inside." So, you know. Um, and I want to give men power and show them, like, you know, that they can, like, well, first of all, sharing yourself is not weak. It's actually communicating, exactly. establishing a really healthy bond with your partner. Mm-hmm. You know, um, well, why do, when, in your experience, why do men struggle and how, how can we empower men to, to overcome those things or some tools that, that you can share? You know, I hear, I see a lot of men struggle um, in their communication and, you know, a lot of men don't want to share and men think that sharing their feelings is, is a weakness when actually it's a power. It's actually mm-hmm. helping you establish this bond and communication with your partner. So just mm-hmm. wondering, like, with your experience, your experience, like, why do men struggle and how can we empower men and show that this is actually a really powerful tool to really have this amazing connection with your partner? Yeah. Yeah. And I think um, it's so true about men really struggling. And I, and I, I want to make sure to speak like 
sometimes I want to make sure that that I'm speaking to the men that I've encountered in my life and the men that I've encountered in my practice, recognizing that there are a lot of similarities and differences in terms of how men relate to Mm -hmm. their emotions. But Mm -hmm. I think by and large, men do struggle with vulnerability, right? And I think that is largely informed by the fact of like, society doesn't allow men to express themselves right Mm -hmm. right? like you said it's like um men are so quick to be seen as like weak or not enough uh if they show any side of vulnerability of of like of sadness of um hurt of shame and instead Mm -hmm. i think what they get is like this like macho anger right Mm -hmm. things like that but yeah um, i think it's really the sense of what 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 expectations are placed of them and and how how like boys are also socialized early on Mm -hmm. and so i think that's why it's so important for men to be able to tap into those emotions and, and have them be okay because i think really what um women are craving from men is that emotional availability, right? Mm. Like they both want them to be um, there and present. And, but also I would encourage men to see themselves as, as providers of not just like, I know that men want to be providers of like the home and the financial, <laughs> right. but you can also be an emotional provider. Like yeah. men, women are craving that, right? Yeah. So um, it's so, it's so important. You know, I was at a, I was at a wedding and I met this guy and I, we were we connected so much he was a, he was this great guy and and we re, like hit it off so well and really talked about these really deep things he talked he talked to me about his vasectomy and like and he told me that he his kids know about his operation and mm-hmm. i said wow like i've never met a man but it's so off not so often that i meet men yeah. that will actually share the operation, what it is, the procedure, how show his kids how to take care of me. And, you know, and I forgot, he said, you know, his kids goes, how is your, how is your buddy? Like they call it his, <laughs> his, his buddy. And he's like, buddy is doing good today. Yeah. Said, wow. Like I, like, why are you so open about yourself? Like at this such a vulnerable place. He said, you know, I really realized that as a man, that that's what was missing in my relationship with my father, and I did not want to have that. And it kept a distance from me and my mm-hmm. and my father. He said I wanted to bring that to my kids, and their and their kids are like so well behaved, so like emotional, mm-hmm. like self expressed, and even him and his wife were very open and about their relationship. Um, didn't really hide anything. And even when people like saw me and him talking, they were like, wow, how long have you guys known each other? Like, we were like, we just met and we had <laughs> really deep conversations. And I didn't see, for me, I guess, I didn't see him any less. I just saw him have this like really whole person. Yeah. I was like, wow, like you, and I told him, I said, no, you are an example of like real strength and like, not only strength but vulnerability like mm-hmm. just being whole and he was like that is what I'm striving that is what I want to teach my kids and especially my son he said I'm doing this for my son and I was like wow um, that is amazing I wish more men were like that that's beautiful yeah yeah um, so what are some like um, I guess communication tips that you teach other than like just being aware and what do you want to give up and take yeah. and keep like um, that couples can start utilizing now in order to 
communicate more effectively. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think a, um, a big thing that I do with couples is I invite them to know their cycle. And really what that means is that like everything is like this kind of circle, right? There's not one person to blame, but you're always reacting off of each other, right? Mm -hmm. And so um, I think that like is really important because like if you are reacting to something that the other partner is doing, then you're gonna get a reaction back and just like noticing that back and forth Mm -hmm. nature that it's not often just like one person, that it's a cycle. And Mm -hmm. within the possibility of a cycle, there's always like a way to, like several opportunities to break it, right? Mm -hmm. And so, Um, I think what I invite couples to do, I think we've talked about this earlier is one, the important pause button, Mm -hmm. right? Like (laughs) taking a breath and saying like, I'm going to check in with what's, what's happening. Mm -hmm. Um, and actually what, what I'll invite couples to do is like when they're taking that pause to reorient themselves to like ask themselves this question, what is it that we're really talking about it about right now? And Mm -hmm. what is it that we hope for in this conversation, Mm -hmm. right? To actually ask themselves that question because then it can serve to reorganize the entire conversation. Because sometimes Mm -hmm. what happens with couples is that you'll have a moment of reactivity, right? Say it was some disagreement about dinner. And then that disagreement then opens up to something that happened last week. It opens up to something that happened last year. It opens up to this like bigger <laughs> thing of like, you never do this. And then like all of a sudden you're like, oh my God, I thought we were just trying to negotiate who's going to cut this and who's going to do that. And so right. taking a pause and saying, wait a minute, what is it that we're actually talking about it? And what is it we hope for this conversation? Can mm-hmm. help like provide a little bit of a container around it, right? So right. tackling that thing at hand rather than all the other things that you want to pile onto it, right? Because it can become like a pile-on effect, right? Mm-hmm. And so that's what I invite them to do, to take that pause so you can ask, they can ask themselves these like grounding questions to say, what mm-hmm. is it that we hope for in this conversation? Right. right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then another thing about, um, I think we talked about this earlier, inviting curiosity, right? Mm-hmm. When you want to make a statement about your partner or declare something about who you think they are, can you ask that and be curious instead, right? <laughs> that's another, that's right. another thing. Um, I'm curious of like, how do you use these tools in your current relationship and how... Uh, <laughs> 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 or yeah. in your past, you know, like... Yeah. So, I mean, I think uh, I should... I, I always... I, I say this all the time to couples is that I, I am also not perfect and I don't expect myself to be that although like I I I'm deeply in this work I teach it sometimes like we can't always use the tools that we know right and so I think for me like I can get really like activated pretty easily like you know I'm fiery I'm an Aries and so like I (laughs) I tend to like I'm really like usually mellow but then if I like feel slighted anyway, I react, right? Instead of going to that place of just taking a pause, I'll react first, I'll say something, and then I'll be like, okay, wait a minute. Maybe I should take that back or maybe I should explain it. And so I think I think this is something I didn't say about communication, that it's also okay to have a do-over, right? And, mm-hmm. and to like say, um, like the other day, I, I think I made a, um, a judgment of my partner around like, it was really like a question of like, are you going to eat that? Are you going to do that? And it was just like so judgmental and it really wasn't speaking to all the things that I was actually wanting to say to him. And so I actually like, 
approached him and I was like, actually, you know, I'm, I'm sorry I said that. Really what I meant is I wanted to check in with you and I, I actually um, wanted to connect and that was really not the way to do it. So actually knowing that you can start off on the wrong footing and then you can write yourself, right? Like as long as you are able to acknowledge it, particularly acknowledging the impact on the other to say, you know, I know that may have hurt or that maybe didn't feel good. Mm. I want to make space to hear how that felt for you. And I also want to let you know what was going on for me. So recognizing that you can like, that fire can come out, but you can also do things to put put out that fire, right? Um, Yeah. I really love that that do-over because I think often in relationships, you know, the the person who's making the accusation wants to like put their foot down and like yeah. done and like that's it. Yeah. You know, you're really leaving your partner with some muck and then now they're carrying it around and now they're like sort of you both are shifting and being careful in your relationship. Mm-hmm. And that is really beautiful that what you just demonstrated Mm -hmm. just to know that I can I can do this over and I can I get to say how this goes and not like be in this sort of like disarray because actuality those moments those unmissed do-over moments build up right (laughs) because I know for me in my first relationship I didn't make those do-overs and they built up so much that they ended up in explosions. Right, right. And um, and often couples don't realize that they can do what you just did. You just demonstrated. Like, I want to do this over because I think... And, I, and one of the things I've learned for myself in uh, relationships that if my partner is reacting to what I'm saying... I'm doing something or saying something that's causing that, and then I can stop and be right. angry what you're saying. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, okay, what I'm saying is actually <laughs> upsetting, or maybe yeah. it's being mis- miscommunicated, or maybe right. they're hearing me differently. My intention was this, and they think that is that, and that's really I really love what you're. Yeah, and I and I I would say too that it's all about like um, when I say do over too, it's about repair. Right. Right. Knowing that there's always some kind of like miscommunication or rupture and opening up the space for repair. Right. Right. It's both on the person that maybe said the wrong thing, but your partner, even though they may feel hurt. Right. They also have to open up that space for repair. They Mm -hmm. can't go to, well, you said this thing to me and you're wrong. It's like, wait a minute. You have to also be available to repairing it and and making space for it is important. Right. How important our boundaries in relationships are they good or bad because i you know i hear people fight about there's no boundaries but boundaries can actually be helpful yeah boundaries i think are incredibly important right i mean i think um i mean i think it's everybody has their individual sense of what is too much or too little uh, boundaries but i think having boundaries are healthy because what is what it means is, is that you are um able to like declare what's okay and not okay for you right um and Mm. so i think it's important for and and there can be boundaries around many things there can be boundaries around time right there can be boundaries around like space there can be boundaries around intimacy and i think having those is is really important because you're you're like 
you're you're letting your partner know what's important to you mm. and i think there's also the sense of um what is learned from respect of boundaries right mm. like do you have a partner that trespasses your boundaries right you, when your partner pushes against them do you let them go right mm. and so that's all important information yeah, man, I've I've recently learned that I used I didn't set any boundaries in any of my relationships, yeah. and uh, and particular and some of my friendships, and I have you know allowing, uh, you know one particular relationship. I used to always complain about my mother, and I used to all with we used to both complain about our mothers, and it and I always I never felt never knew why I felt so exhausted. Yeah, and and I was like. And then one of my co my coach, he was like, "You don't set. We discovered that I don't set boundaries, and that's why I felt so draining. Mm-hmm. And I and I, and I kind of saw like in every single relationship, like, oh, I never set boundaries. And when I when I started to set this boundary with my friend, like it was very uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. However, it was much needed, and it actually was awkward in the beginning, but it really shifted the way our dynamic." Um, was together because it was off the table, um, you know, that, that subject of complaining, because I, I, I realized that complaining and, I guess, gossiping about our, pers- our, our parents was not one doing us any service. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was just really, for me, it was really draining on my side. So I really yeah. took on boundaries boundaries are actually, I, I love setting boundaries now and I'm learning how to do that more and more. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there was something on your website I really loved, and it, you know, and it said something about. Well, my question is, well, how how do you help couples find their way back to love? Because I, you know, and where do we begin on the podcast? A lot of the couples are at almost at the end of yeah. their relationship, and so how do you even begin? Yeah. To <laughs> help couple. Yeah. Start. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's a, that's a, like a huge question. <laughs> um, I mean, I think uh, first of all, I acknowledge them them for for coming in, right? Because even taking the step to start coaching or therapy is important, right? And I think one way back to love is hope. Right. And really leaning on the possibility that it's it's there. Mm-hmm. Right. And so one thing that I'll do with couples in the beginning is really do this visualization. Right. And I'll invite them maybe even to reflect or to close their eyes and to, you know, when they close their eyes and they see this pathway mm-hmm. and at the end of the pathway is love. Right. <laughs> love between them, love in this partnership. Yeah. And then I invite them to talk about, well, what do they see if they were really to take some space to visualize that path what does it look like right is it like bright and open and like a clear pathway are there obstacles what do you see is it like this dark path with like weeds and forest and so <laughs> um like even getting to that space of, of of looking at that pathway is important because then it's all information right so if somebody mm-hmm. visualizes this forest that they can't see then we talk about well what are the trees right and maybe the trees are past hurt that they, they need to talk about in order to get that love, right? Um, at, when they envision the end, what's there, right? So really kind of like getting in the space of seeing what's possible for them so that they can then take the steps to get mm. to what's possible. Um, 
So that, that visualization can really be key because it's also information for each other to say, oh, well, how come I see a forest and you see a bright green path? <laughs> you know, how did that get to be that we're in such different places? Um, so that that's that's something that I invite them to, to do um, when they, they try to regain love. Oh, and an important thing too is also to recognize that I think a lot of couples um, think about the love that they had in the beginning and they're like if only we can get to that place like we just want that love that we had and actually recognizing that you may not have that love that you had and that's actually okay because the hope for couples is that they continue to grow and evolve right and as you're growing and evolving your love is evolving and changing and so actually you're not trying to get what you had but you're trying to create from this place, a new love that you're going to build too, yes. right? So not trying to recapture, it has to be like this, because really you're not the same person that you were hopefully yes. five years ago, 10 years ago. So your love is not going to be the same. Right. And that's so awesome that you just said that. Because when I hear people, couples say that, I automatically say, well, you've missed the growth that they've grown into to who they are right now. Mm-hmm. Like, and you've missed how your love has grown right now because you're holding your your partner to the standard that when you first got together, which you have grown and evolved. And I find often when couples say that, well, you used to be that way. It's actually like a dig. And Mm -hmm. especially with men, I see, I know a couple in particular, he shuts down and he goes, well, I tried. Like nothing I do is good enough. You know what I mean? Like you're actually missing the opportunities of growth in the relationship. Right. And um, yeah, and it's like going back to what you were saying, like the uh, bringing the awareness to relationship can really open up a lot to where have you grown? What have you Mm -hmm. learned? Where are we now? And possibly where are we going? Right. Exactly. Um, So we're coming to the end and I have a couple Mm -hmm. quick questions. And yeah. just tell me what comes to mind. Um, so what does a life of love mean to you? Oh, I love that <laughs> What does a life of love mean to me? Oh, you know, when I, um, when I thought about that, I just thought about like this uh, sense of a full heart and freedom, mm-hmm. right? Uh, freedom to be, freedom to grow, freedom to expand. And a life of love also means that it's it's all around me, right? Like that it's not just something that I'm creating with my partner, but that it's like what I'm living and breathing and being. Mm-hmm. And that's like in the care that I bring to my relationships, to how I walk down the street, how I, you know. And so I think um, I think when I thought of that, Amelia thought of just like fullness and freedom. Mm. And so I know you talked about visualization. So when you visualize love and that path, like what is your, what comes to mind when you visualize love? Yeah. Um, I see, oh, let's see. What do I see? I love um, nature and so (laughs) I I guess when I would see it, I see like this like large lush trees mm. like it's like calm still water <laughs> so, <laughs> oh. and then i guess like there's like the stillness but then there's also like play and fun right mm. because I, I, love, I think of, like it doesn't have to be this like exciting all you know passionate mm-hmm. all the time but also like stillness is love right where you can just be but you can also be like all these exciting things so it's like in my vision of love it's like this 
calm, still waters, like you're looking out and in the back, there's like this like fun, fun, like happening, right? So you can both be still and like in the fun. <laughs> and how do you get out of your own way as a therapist? Hmm. How do I get out of my own way? I have um, a lot of people that I rely on and support me, right? So I think like, if for therapists, um, like what's really important is getting supervision, like just having people that you can talk to and talk mm. like through, like not just the people, like the clients that you're working with, but just your stuff that can come up. Right. Because right. I think ways that therapists get in their own way is like, they let their stuff run the show. Right. Cause we all have stuff. Mm. And so <laughs> if I, if I'm able to talk about that stuff with other people then that can like be cleared, so I don't get in my own way. So I mm. share a lot with those around me and I talk about what can be coming up or when I get activated. Um, and I think that helps me get out of my own way. Nice. And, um, if any difference, what does a juicy love life looks like to you? A juicy love life. Mm-hmm. Um, it might be still like that that beach party that I talked about with the beach party. <laughs> <laughs> but I think that, um, I think when I think about a juicy love life, I think of um, ah, I don't know laughter. Yeah, <laughs> laughter. Yeah, yeah. That just feels like uh, ugh, like if I had that, that would be like all the time. That's great. Yeah. 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 <laughs> And what is the secret to therapy that you wish people knew? The secret to therapy. Um, I wish everybody knew that it's, it's a wonderful gift to give to yourself. Right. Mm. It's like, um, and it, it means that literally that, that you're giving a gift to yourself. It doesn't mean that you're wrong or that you're, there's something like missing. It's just a gift of space of being like held and seen and supported. And so yeah. that's like, kind of like the secret power to it is that it's, it's giving you a space to heal, to be, to grow, to expand. Mm. And why not give that gift to yourself? Yeah. Oh, I love that. And cause there's yeah. such a stigma, but when you even say the word therapy, like right. it's like, no, it's like a real gift. It's like, you know, you hire a personal trainer to take care of your body, your, your physical health, like, you know, therapy or coaches, it's like taking care of your mental, your mental state and mm-hmm. how you're showing up. And it's a real gift that like you said to yourself exactly. to fully whole and complete and be your best self. Yeah, for sure. And where can people find you online or social media? Yeah. So um, you can find me at Mm therapybrooklyn.com and very easy to find. Um, That's that's (laughs) where I'll be. Yeah. Therapybrooklyn.com. Cool. Well, thank you, Marissa. I love, love, love this whole thing with you. And thank (laughs) you for being a part of this. And I always have such a great time. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. You're welcome. (laughs) Hey guys, so don't forget to subscribe on Instagram at Jimmy Allen and Twitter, simply Jimmy. And don't forget to rate, rate, subscribe, comment, and share this podcast if you enjoyed it. Thank you guys for joining me. This is Jimmy Allen with Crazy Juicy Love. Hey guys, are you ready to call in your one? Are you ready to become wildly magnetic to the partner that you deserve and start creating that crazy juicy love? Well, I am offering a discount package when you listen to this podcast. So 
when you listen to this podcast, you follow me on Instagram, you DM me and say, you listen to this podcast, and I will offer you a discount on a seven-week session. Crazy Juicy Love.